Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God that we hear this evening is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 14 to 22. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Three in one. We're all familiar with that phrase. Reminds us uh, of God who is three persons in one God. However, you notice the cloth isn't green tonight. Not the Trinity season. Now we could talk about the Trinity any time of the year, right? But tonight we're here to talk about the Lord's Supper. A different kind of three in one. Just as there are three persons in one God, so also... Jesus, in instituting the Lord's Supper, gave us three in one. Not in the same way that God is three in the one, but nevertheless, we still do have a three in one here. Scripture shows us that the Lord's Supper is a fulfillment of the Passover. It is a joining together, a communion of God's people, and it is also a preview of of the feast that waits for us in heaven. Three in one. This is my body, this is my blood. With these words, Jesus makes it very clear to us that his body and blood are truly present in the Lord's Supper. But he also lets us know that this supper that we will receive tonight is a fulfillment of the Passover. There was no festival more important to the ancient Hebrews than the Passover festival. It was the center of their religious life, and it was even the center of how they identified who God was. God set it up that way on purpose. God himself, in speaking to the children of Israel, when he gives them his law, says to them, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. People ask the Israelites, what, who is this God that you worship? Who is this God that you call the Lord? They often responded, he is the one who brought us out of Egypt. That was the, the central thought, the central way in which God revealed himself to the ancient Hebrews as the God of the Passover, the God who passed over the house of the Israelites, saving them from death and bringing them out of bondage and slavery. This is so essential and so important 
to the Old Testament believers and to us as well, God makes it clear that this celebration, this Passover celebration has not passed away, but is something we still celebrate. And the way we celebrate it is not all that entirely different from the way the Hebrews celebrated it. It's the festival in which Christ comes and reveals himself to us. The receiving of the Lord's Supper, just as it was for those ancient Hebrew people. Let's put a pin in that thought for a second. We're going to come back to it in a minute. Let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. If you happen to have your Bibles, you can turn, or otherwise you can just listen. In Genesis chapter 22, we have the account of Abraham being told by God to sacrifice his son, his only son, Isaac. And so Isaac and Abraham are walking together up the mountain when we read in verse 7 of chapter 22 that Isaac has a question, a very, very important question. He said to Abraham, my father, look, we have the fire, the coals, right? And we have the wood for a burnt offering but where is the lamb? Abraham responds in faith, my son God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so it was that after God stopped Abraham from sacrificing Isaac, he did indeed do exactly as Abraham prophesied, providing a lamb to take a ram to take Isaac's place. And Abraham named that mountain, the Lord will provide. For in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. That question is important, of course, to Isaac, but it's very important to us as well. For if the celebration of the Lord's Supper is a continuation, a fulfillment of that Passover festival, and there was nothing more important in the Passover festival, then the lamb, that was the center of the Passover festival, wasn't it? Then we have to ask, where is the lamb? We have bread, unleavened bread, like the Hebrews did, and we have wine, like the Hebrews did. But where is the lamb? Of course, as soon as we ask the question, we probably already know the answer, right? Christ is the Lamb. And that's why I said, when Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood, he provides that missing element that makes the Lord's Supper clearly a fulfillment, clearly a continuation of the Old Testament Passover. Just as Abraham prophesied, the Lord will provide, so the Lord provides us with the Lamb. And so we come and we receive the Lord's Supper. We celebrate the Passover receiving, just like the ancient Hebrews did, the bread and the wine and the lamb. But unlike them, we do not bring our own lamb. We do not come to provide the lamb, but God has provided the lamb for us. After all, the the lambs which the ancient Israelites brought to the Passover were merely placeholders. That's all they were ever meant to be. 
pointing forward to the true lamb whom we have received now. And so it's no wonder that that Passover celebration has changed slightly in form because we no longer need to provide our own lambs for God has provided it for us. And so it is we now celebrate the Passover not once a year, but at least once a month. And so it is that through this same celebration of the Lord's Supper, the Lord comes to us and reveals himself to us just like he did to those ancient Hebrews. And we identify God largely through this Lord's Supper, don't we? Because our, who is our God? Our God is the one who gave his body and his blood for us. The Lord's Supper is a fulfillment then of the Old Testament Passover. The lambs, of the, the lambs chosen by the people having been replaced with that one lamb chosen by God. The Lord's Supper that we celebrate tonight is also a joining, a communion of his people. His people with him and his people with one another as well. There are many things in this life that certainly seem like they would be impossible. Many divisions in this world that seem like they would be impossible ever to heal ever to fix, ever to, to bring together right? Israel and Palestine. How are you ever going to fix that divide, right? Or India and Pakistan. Or maybe Packer and Bear fans. Or if you're, uh, a, little, if you're a little bit of, a, 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 little bit of a, a sci-fi fan, maybe you're familiar with the wars between those who prefer Captain Picard and those who for the original Star Trek series. There's lots of divides in this life and it seems nearly impossible that we can ever bring all of these divisions together, especially politically. But of course, what we are incapable of joining together, God can bring together. And that also is what we have here in the Lord's Supper, a joining together. A joining together with God, with Christ, and a joining together with one another. If we turn to Exodus uh, chapter 24 verses 3 through 9 here we have Moses coming to tell the people of Israel all the laws, all the regulations that God has given to the people and Moses comes and he reads all these laws to the people and the people respond we will do all that God has commanded. We will be obedient to all that he has said. And immediately after the people responded in this way, oh yeah, we will do everything that God says, Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people. And again, he read from the book of the law a second time, and again, the people respond the same way. We will do and be obedient. And Moses built an altar and sacrificed to God. Do you notice a pattern here? Every time God's law is read, the people respond, okay, we're going to do that. We'll, we'll, we'll do just as you say. And then Moses offers a sacrifice. What is the, the purpose of the sacrifice? The purpose of the sacrifice, of course, is because the promise, the pledge of the people, means nothing. 
The vow of the people to be obedient is empty and worthless. Not even 30 days after these events, when the people said, yeah, we're going to do everything that God commanded, they built a golden calf and started to worship that instead of worshiping the Lord. The vows of people to to do better, to be better, uh, to be loving, to be forgiving, mean nothing because we know our sinful nature and our failings. And how often we, even just a few days later, forget the promises we've made and cause division and strife again. But then Moses sacrificed. But then Moses sprinkled the blood of the Lamb over the people. Because even though the vows and the promises of of men mean nothing, the blood of Christ means everything. That is the thing that joined them. And in fact, if you continue reading here, continuing with verse 9, then Moses went up and also did Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And, the, but, uh, sorry, and there were under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity, But on the nobles of the children of Israel he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they sat down, and they ate, and they drank with him. Notice how Moses writes, (coughs) on the 70 elders, God didn't lay his hand. He's almost surprised that God didn't strike down those 70 elders when they came up into God's presence. And it is surprising that God didn't, doesn't strike us down when we come into his presence, and that God didn't strike down these when they came into his presence, but instead, God sat down and ate and drank, fast, fast, feasted with them, because the blood of the Lamb was able to join them to God, was able to make that peace which the vows of the people could not make. And so we see here also that we come to the Lord's Supper, to eat with the Lord, to eat and to drink with the Lord as those 70 elders did. We come into his presence and we are able to do that again because of the blood of the Lamb. That Lord's Supper, that blood that we receive there, joins us together, creates peace where there was none. Just like those children of Israel, we even tonight confess and promise, don't we? We began with a confession of our sins and we continued with the the confession of the creed, confessing our faith in God and we didn't today but we often do respond, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it and then the congregation responds alleluia, yes, we're going to hear God's word and keep it but those vows those confessions of course don't really mean much coming from us but what does mean everything is that response of God, that blood, that his blood, his body and blood that we receive in the Lord's Supper. There is one bread and there is one cup, Paul reminds us. Now, of course, you know, physically speaking here, we have lots of little individual plastic cups and we have lots of uh, different uh, communion cups at different churches throughout the world, and we all have the little wafers. So yeah, physically, we have lots of little, little things instead of one. But in Christ, of course, Paul means there is still only one. One body and one blood through which we receive and through which we are joined. I could, 
I or any other pastor or preacher could stand up here and preach to you all night about loving and forgiving and being united and understanding one another. And we all know it really wouldn't make that much of a difference. We might try a little bit harder for a day or two, but generally we would have a tendency to go back to our sinful ways. We cannot be united in and of ourselves with any vow or confession, but in the blood of Christ we are forgiven and we are united. The Lord's Supper is the communion of his people to him and to one another. And thirdly then, it is the preview of that heavenly feast which we will receive in that life which is to come. Jesus reminds us in our text, do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. And again, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. With these words, Jesus makes it clear to us that the Lord's Supper is also a looking forward to that festival of the Lamb that we just sang about before our sermon. Each and every one of us probably has all kinds of pictures and trinkets and maybe a ring and other memorabilia which remind us of those whom we love or have loved. But there's a difference between those things which remind us of those who have died and passed on and those things which remind us of those who are still with us, isn't there? Those things that we have that remind us of those who have gone on are a memorial and are a reminder of things past. And they remind us of happy times, but they also bring with them sadness for the loved one that is lost. But those pictures we have or or other things that remind us of, of those who are still with us and whom we love, well, there's no sadness in those, is there? but only rejoicing and a looking forward to the day or the time when they will come back. If if maybe it's our kids that are gone for a little bit, there might be a little sadness because you look and see when they were little and how cute they were and they're not so cute anymore. But certainly not to the same degree as those who have, have passed away. And so when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, well, we know that Jesus is not dead, but is arisen. And therefore, this is not a memorial or a sad thing about things that have passed away, but a reminder, a looking forward to that which we have in Christ and which we will one day have in a far greater way. Throughout the scriptures, God constantly uses the picture of a feast as a picture of heaven. It's really kind of silly how humans... um, have a tendency to miss the point sometimes. Very often when we think of heaven or draw pictures of heaven, we think of people sitting on clouds and, and singing and, and playing harps all the time. But that is a, is a picture which is almost never used in Scripture. But instead, Jesus it constantly, this, the Old Testament and the New Testament, constantly talks about this banquet, this feast. That sounds a lot more fun than playing a harp all day especially for me who doesn't know how to play a harp, right? We have one such example here in Isaiah 25, verses 6 to 8. The Lord reminds us, In in this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, 
full of morrow, and he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth. We can look forward to sitting down with God in that, that banquet, that feast that he has prepared for us, but we don't have to wait because the Lord tells us that this here that we receive tonight is a preview of that very thing. You know, it's, one of the, it's really one of the saddest things of our time that so many people, so many families, neglect the opportunity to sit down together and to eat together as a family. It used to be, it seems like anyway, much more, uh, much more important to people than it is these days. And many people would say, well, that's a small thing. It doesn't really matter. We spend time together in other ways. But listen to what Jesus said in our text. In Luke, in, in, uh, Luke 22, 15, in verse 15 of our sermon text, Jesus says, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus did not consider the opportunity to sit down and, and eat together a small thing, did he? On the eve of his death, he didn't say, well, I'm too busy. I've got a lot going on tomorrow that I have to worry about. Uh, we can do that some other time. But no, he said, with fervent desire, I desire to sit and to eat together with my disciples. It was something he fervently desired, and it's something he still fervently desires to do with us. He fervently desires to sit down and to feast with us, both in that, that feast which is to come and in the Lord's Supper that we are receiving tonight. You know, in our sinfulness, we often uh, consider the Lord's Supper as something which, well, Maybe we're not as excited about it. Maybe it's something that we don't really care about all that much, even though we're the ones who really need it. Jesus doesn't need it, and yet his attitude is that he fervently desires it. He gives us the Lord's Supper not only because we need it, but because it is something he delights to do with us. In the Lord's Supper, God wants you to come and to partake so that he can dine with you. Mark 14, 25, 14, 25, Assuredly I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This Lord's Supper is but a preview, but a foretaste, but an appetizer, right, of that great feast which God has provided for us. And so we see the threefold blessing that is the Lord's Supper that we receive even tonight, the fulfillment of the Passover, that, that Passover lamb who gives his blood and dies for us so that the death passes us over, the communion, the joining together of us with him and him with us, and that feast in which we spend time with our Savior. Amen.